Now you got to realize um, that I can sit here and tell you guys that it's all fine and good. But at the time that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> One of the things we know about purpose is that it, it's like, it's like terrifying and super exciting all at the same time. Right. That's Absolutely. our, that's our purpose. It, it, it causes us to, to grow on our edge. Right. And yeah, that can be scary. So she also said in the meditation, she said, but in order for you to fully connect with your purpose, Tim, you'll need to actually go hike up this mountain where you'll find further information about your purpose. And she's saying, yeah, you have to do this in real life. Welcome to the Emotional Compass with Bodhi and Abiel. Today we have a special guest. His name is Tim Corcoran and he is the founder of Purpose Mountain, where he offers nature-based purpose guidance to support people with a love for nature and who have a deep yearning and a burning desire to discover their purpose, as well as work with resistance and fears through the ecology of self and voice dialogue. Tim also serves as a co-director of Twin Eagles Wilderness School, an organization he co-founded with his wife Janine Tidwell in Sandpoint, Idaho in 2005. It's dedicated to facilitating deep nature connections, mentoring, cultural restoration, and inner tracking. And finally, Tim is a leader of men's groups, holistic rites of passage for boys, and wilderness quests, guiding and initiating men and boys into the new paradigm of the mature masculine. Before we get started with the interview, we would love your help. To support this podcast, all we ask you to do is rate, review, and subscribe. So please pause right here and go out there and rate and review this podcast. It means a lot to us. Thank you. Tim, thank you so much for joining us on the Emotional Compass today. I had the honor of uh, meeting you in Sedona at the Aubrey Marcus's Fit for Service Mastermind. And you took us on this amazing soul wander on a blisteringly hot Arizona day yes. <laughs> or morning rather. And uh, yeah, I was wandering the desert for four hours, not knowing what the hell I was doing. And, um, you know, before I set out, you asked us to set an intention, hmm. like set an intention for your soul wander. And as I was going through the whole journey, I was just like, what am I doing? It's hot. I'm cranky. I didn't get enough sleep. And when I came back, we did this whole exercise uh, which we'll get into all of the details here, but I'm kind of like setting the scene. And that's when I had my socks blown off. I was like, wow, I can see how this whole thing unfolded for me and how it aligned to the intention that I set in the beginning. Yeah. So just to give you guys a little preview, uh, Tim, well, what do you do exactly? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I should just say a big thank you to you, Bodhi. And Abiel, great to be here. I appreciate this opportunity. Uh, so yeah, in short, I, I consider myself a nature-based purpose guide. So my work is specialized. Think of me like a coach or a mentor who specializes in helping individuals or groups 
discover their their life purpose, the reason why they're here on the deepest soul level. Um, and my approach is using a nature-based um, methodology to support people, people to get there. I've been doing this work professionally for about five years. Prior to that, I've got a background and I still work as a wilderness guide. Uh, my wife and I actually started a wilderness school helping people to connect with nature here where I live in Idaho. And that is a, a big part of my calling as well, connecting people with nature. So what's the what does that process look like? So I come to you and say like, Tim, I want to find my life purpose. Yeah. And you just yeah. throw me to the wolves. <laughs> <laughs> well, not quite. <laughs> not not quite. I mean, it's it's an old process, actually, Bodhi, that human beings have been engaged in uh, cross-culturally for a long, long time. I mean, the question of why am I here, right? I, I think this is one of the most essential questions that we can ask as human beings. Um, and so, yeah, how does that work? Well, I mean, we get into this notion of soul. I, I like the idea of soul. And how would I define soul? I would define soul as our deepest essence, right? Like the deepest part of who we are, something that transcends our body, uh, something that's more than an aspect of our ego, but actually a whole different possibility of who we could be. So like to connect with one's soul means to connect with one's very essence, you know, something much deeper, much older than, than the, the ego or the mind. When we connect with our soul, that's when we experience our purpose. And that's when uh, when we're connected with the soul, we're connected with all things. To connect with the soul is to connect with the interrelatedness of life itself, right? And so uh, now that's pretty philosophical. Um, but practically speaking, what I do is uh, I guide people with a blend of inviting people on self-reflection, right, on in the, into their past. This is kind of the easy, kind of more superficial part of purpose discovery is looking into our past at the times and the moments and the people and the places where we felt most fully alive, right, where... Um, where every cell of our body was just resonating with energy and excitement and aliveness. And we knew that, my God, you know, yes, uh, this is why I'm here. And different people experience that to different levels. Um, but we all have moments like that. And, and then, of course, the deeper journey is connecting with nature, as you experienced uh, in the soul wander down in Sedona. And that was just a, a taster, right? That was just maybe the tip of the iceberg. But the general idea is that when we as human beings can slow down, <laughs> which is incredibly important in our modern world, we all know this. I mean, we, we live in this world that is so crazy fast paced. I mean, my God, I'm getting hundreds, if not thousands of notifications on my phone every five seconds, it seems like, right? So this is true. the world we, we live in. Um, so when we slow down from that, and connect with nature. It's about shedding the distractions. It's about um, physically, it might involve um, going out and feeling a bit exposed, as you said, maybe to the heat, maybe to the cold, maybe to the wet, maybe just to nature and whatever nature is dealing us. Mentally, it's about shedding all the thoughts, the obsession with the mind, right? And finding that quiet place. Meditation in the Eastern philosophies, of course, have really um, come strong here in, in the Western part of the world, especially these last 50 years. 
Um, but what's oftentimes missing is the connection to nature. And interestingly, I, th- I think I mentioned this down in Sedona, right? If you look back, like Buddha, right, uh, when he experienced enlightenment, where did it happen? What was the context? Well, it wasn't on a cushion in an ashram. <laughs> he was under the tree. He was I was going to say the- he's in an air-conditioned apartment. Yeah, <laughs> no way, man. <laughs> under a Bodhi tree. <laughs> under a Bodhi tree. That's right. Exactly. And so I, I think that's important, you know, the context. And, and I think we can forget that. So so to shed uh, the physical distractions, to shed the, the mental distractions back into the quietness, the quiet mind, and really ask oneself. I, I just got a client who was just going through this process last week, and he had a beautiful question. You know, his question was, okay, when I shed all of the distractions, all the thought forms, all the forms of my ego, all the incessantness of my mind, all my worries, uh, my skepticism, my inner critic, all of that. When I can finally get to the point where I let go of it all and I just am left with myself, just me at my core essence, what's left? And that's a mysterious statement. I, I know, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a mysterious question to ask and uh, to connect with soul and purpose is not, it's not a, process of the mind. It's not a mental process. It's a soulful process. But what happens consistently, and there is a degree of mystery to this. Uh, I can't scientifically explain to you how this works, but I know that it works, right? And this is this has been my life's work. And this is when we look at mystics, uh, again, cross-culturally throughout the ages, we find that this pattern is, is a best practice for discovering one's reason for being. And so when we slow down like this, when we shed all of our distractions and we go out with an intention, and the intention is important, as, as you just mentioned, okay, why am I here, really? You know, addressing God, addressing the creator. If you don't believe in that, just addressing life, addressing the earth. Uh, but putting forth that intention, why am I here? And meaning it, finding some degree of passion within and then letting go. Right. That's the that's the other half is letting go, the surrender. Okay. Show me. Show me a sign. Right. And that's how soul speaks to us. Soul speaks to us through nature encounters, through images, through dreams, synchronicities, signs, omens, symbols. All of these is a, is the or kind of the original language of nature, the original language of soul. And much like working with dreams, you know, that's a common thing a lot of folks do these days. Um, when I work with people and, and help them kind of interpret and understand the ex- or mirror the, the experience that they had out there, frequently we have to look a level deeper beyond the superficial, look at the story as a mythic story that is unfolding, almost like a dream that came to them in the night. And through that, you know, their purpose is revealed, uh, sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. And it really helps, you know, I have not to have a mentor. I have not gotten here on my own. I didn't make all this stuff up. I've had the real blessing, actually, of having, as I mentioned to you before, a number of traditional Native American teachers and elders over the last 20 years throughout my adult life who have guided me in, in this process. It's a, it's a pathway, but it's a known one that does exist out there. It just doesn't get a whole heck of a lot of airtime in our modern world. So people hear what I do and they're like, what the heck? Wow, I didn't know anybody does that kind of thing, right? Um, so those are a few thoughts. Yeah, man, those are a few thoughts. I, it reminds me of that story you talked about the one time that you went out and you saw that bear. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
I'd love for you to share that. That was <laughs> that was that gave me goosebumps, as they say, truth bumps. You know, the truth bumps. Yeah. I wanted to. I wanted to add. The, I feel like the reason why it doesn't get popular is because in this society we're constantly strengthening our ego, and yes. ego is um, edging got away. Or and because of that, it creates a separation that through yeah. this journeying you you get to dissolve that ego. And it reminds me a little bit. Now I'm going to get a little esoteric. I've been researching on this uh, theory of the sun being electric. Mm. And they're saying that the sun is a gas gas ball that's burning. But in reality, what they're researching is finding that these plasma that's coming from the sun itself is being generated by the, these polar vectors that are conducing electricity through it. And then through that, it's being powered and I truly believe that we're just a fractal expression of the of the all. There, there is no separation. Yeah. And we get to experience this egoic body, you know, so that we could be got, become here God, experiencing God, experiencing yes. life. So when you go out there in nature and you're left with nothingness and the, the expansion of it all, it has this magical power because it can't be comprehended through logic. It's something that is comprehended to the heart and through the soul that brings us to to be back to to oneness to, yes. to 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 fulfill the oneness that native americans got to experience you know we could quote chief seattle and all these amazing sure. um, people that got it but i am in awe with with your purpose and what mm. you're doing it's it's well, so great because it gives me goosebumps to think that you're you're doing this type of work where mm. fulfilling that balances back the, the earth so we could get back to to the first steps to, to grow this beautiful earth again so yeah, absolutely kudos brother yeah man thank you brother and and just to say i mean oftentimes people uh do associate my work with native american tradition and, and admittedly many of my mentors have been native american but to to put it in a broader context this is a human birthright Right, we all have ancestors, regardless of our lineage, that at one point lived close to the earth. We all have ancestors that at one point knew the language of soul, were deeply connected to nature. Okay, some of us have to travel a little further back in time, or maybe a lot further back in time to find that. But but in the big scale of things, how long have humans been on planet Earth? I mean, a couple hundred thousand years, maybe. You know, what a thousand years is like a drop in the bucket right? It's, it's nothing. And so um, I think that's important to remember this, although it's not kind of in our mainstream uh, consciousness that much, because uh, all of the fast paced and, and the ego and everything we've been talking about doesn't mean that there's not a deep part of us that remembers, uh, that remembers this experience. It's our inheritance. I, yes. I can't get away from it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I grew up in the hills of Puerto Rico, where mm. I would, I got screamed at because I was running just with my underwear around till I, <laughs> yeah. I was like six or seven and yeah. I had calluses for feet and I would fall asleep on a tree as it swayed me. That's right. And my grandmother would scream at me that I would fall off. And I was like, how can I fall off? I just know when I'm falling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's just, great. So just having that relationship with the earth and my grandfather mm -hmm. was a farmer. So he taught mm -hmm. us how to plant at an early age and just digging little holes and seeing seeds just sprout. It was just a miracle. So uh, growing up that way and being connected to earth, I'd, 
it was a different animal moving mm-hmm. to the States and being in a house with air conditioning. Cause I grew up without air conditioning mm-hmm. and, and you just know what, you know, what the day feels like. Cause you yeah. don't have AC versus right. now you have AC. What, what is it like outside? No, you are outside. You are in nature. Yes, but yeah, exactly. Uh, I wanted to, I wanted to get us back into the story. Cause I, I know that, okay, great. that bear story was, was a, a good one that we could jump into. Yeah. And, and I love stories. Sometimes stories are the best way of teaching something. It's one thing to try and explain it. It's another thing to illustrate it through the power of story, right? So so this is a classic one for me. And this story took place, oh, I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, something like that. And I was at a time in my life, you guys, where <clears throat> um, I had been running my wilderness school for successfully for a lot of years, you know, over over 10 years. But the level of deep, uh, soulful, purposeful meaning and fulfillment that I had once got from running the wilderness school was no longer present for me, right? I remember finishing up, uh, we do a bunch of programs for adults and kids, and I, I, this was at the end of a summertime. Summers are really full for us. We do a whole bunch of nature summer camps for kids and give them all kinds of wild, crazy adventures. Um, and they're really popular and successful, you know, so we had, I I don't know, we had just run several hundred kids through camps all summer and, you know, finished training dozens upon dozens of staff and really given, you know, these kids time of their life. And as usual, we were getting all kinds of compliments like, oh my God, this is great. Best day of my life. Best camp ever, you know, (laughs) better than Legoland. (laughs) All the stuff they say, moms and dads coming to me saying, Tim, you know, I, I want you to know you. You, you brought life back to my child. I, he was all depressed and now he's so fully alive. I don't know what you did, but we need more, you know, thank you so much. And all these kinds of comments that, that are, you know, uh, have become a mainstay for this type of work. And I'll tell you what, in the, cause in the early years I would hear all that and it would just fill me up, of course. Right. Amazing. Right. Oh my God. So great. But I've been doing this long enough at that point. I've been doing the work for over 15 years. I heard those words, you guys. And it was the oddest experience. Uh, they landed completely flat. And I, it was as if I had just like done the dishes or something. <laughs> like they meant <laughs> nothing to me. And I was just like, You're like whoa. Big yeah, like, wait a minute. Like it clearly had an impact on these other human beings, these families, these kids, these parents. But it's not having an impact on me. Now, what is up with that? Well, Long story short, I was evolving, right? I was being called forth to my next level of expression, a lot of the work I'm doing now, but I didn't realize it yet. And that's a scary place, you know, whether a person is on the front end of their purpose, meaning they've yet to discover why they're here and they feel that longing. They feel like, God, I know I'm capable of more. It's not happening yet, but I know I'm capable of more. Or in this case, in my case, I had been consciously living my purpose and yet I was being called forward. And so those in-between times are tough. I mean, I have a lot of empathy and compassion for people in that place. And so that's where I was. So what did I do? Well, I go back to my mentors. I go back to nature. Um, I embraced uh, numerous different approaches. And at that time, you know, you guys all uh, uh, reveal here about myself is, um, you know, when I grew up, I, I had I had a lot of good times and I had some tough times too. I faced my share of trauma as a kid growing up. By the time I hit 18 years old, I realized that the American dream was really a pipe dream. You know, this idea of mom, dad, 2.5 kids, a dog and a cat and the white picket fence. Where had that gotten me? Well, it had brought me a lot of pain, frankly. And so I knew that there was something greater. I knew that there, were, there was something greater. 
And so that's what, you know, really launched me on my path of, uh, of eventually starting this wilderness school and, and, and all of that. So here at this time, though, it was, you know, like I said, five, seven years ago, I was not getting the fulfillment I had really always relied on, that deep spiritual fulfillment from the wilderness school work. And as I was saying, you know, at this point in my life, pretty much for most of my adult life at that point, I had really put indigenous peoples and indigenous wisdom up on a pedestal. And I had really turned my back to the modern world. I was like, you know, to heck with the modern world. It, it, it's, it's bogus. It has nothing to offer me. And while that brought me to a certain place, and there was a lot of benefits from that, helped me step out of the box, et cetera, et cetera, and discover all this indigenous native wisdom, there was a gap. You know, there, there was, the, I had, I had turned my back on, on a part of me because I'm not an Indian. I'm a white guy. I grew up in the Midwest, you know, in the eighties, I'm just uh, an ordinary white guy. And so for me to have turned my back on the modern world, what meant that I had turned my back on a part of myself. And so I had a hunch that my next level of purpose would involve me opening myself back up to the modern experience you know, and seeking out modern teachers, modern mentors, um, embracing all of what that meant. And so I did. Um, I explored in a, in a number of ways, you guys, but one in particular, I, I signed up for this online purpose discovery class. And I was somewhat reluctant, you know, I'm this big nature guy. And it's like, okay, you know, I'd, and my mentors were even telling me this, hey, you know, try out opening yourself up a little bit more, you know, it's all right. I mean, round yourself out, you know, come back to wholeness, the whole thing. Okay. Okay. You know, so I do this class and, and it's all like meditation based, which is cool, you know, but there was no, uh, there was no particular nature connection. And so I'm like half reluctant going through this. And so they're taking me through this meditation and I'm laying on my, my floor. And the, the prompt is imagine a place in nature that's beautiful, that you really connect with, and of course, I'm kind of having a little chuckle, like a little I told you so moment, because <laughs> here they are, this non-nature oriented you know, approach that's actually using images of nature. Well, aside from that, uh, I go through this process and I imagine that I'm up hiking up this mountain behind my house, a place I'd, uh, that physically exists that I've been to before. And the prompt now says, OK, get to a point in this natural environment where you will encounter some sort of being that knows about your purpose, that can tell you about your purpose. And I say, okay. So in my meditation, I climb up to the top of the mountain and this being of light, I, I imagine kind of like an angel descending down and it's kind of a feminine quality to it. So she comes down and, and, she there's like this energetic transmission and sure enough she's telling me about my my purpose and and it was actually a deep moment for me because what she was telling me was that my purpose was to work with the brokenhearted with those people who have you know faced some real loss and suffering in this life emotionally uh, much like i had myself and she also said that my purpose was to help people to discover their purpose now you got to realize um that I can sit here and tell you guys that it's all fine and good. But at the time that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> One of the things we know about purpose is that it, it's like, it's like terrifying and it's super exciting all at the same time. Right. That's Absolutely. our, that's our purpose. It, it, it causes us to, to grow on our edge. 
right? And yeah, that can be scary. So she also said in the meditation, she said, but in order for you to fully connect with your purpose, Tim, you'll need to actually go hike up this mountain where you'll find further information about your purpose. And she's saying, yeah, you have to do this in real life. So I say, okay, well, not being one to go against the, the voice of soul, the next day I go out there and dutifully hike up the mountain. And this uh, was a soul wander, Bodhi, as, as, as you went on. So I, I, I held this as a, not just a hike, but a ceremony as an opportunity to really connect with my deepest self, with my purpose. So it's a beautiful uh, fall day, you know, and it's a crisp, cool weather here in Idaho. The leaves on the trees are starting to turn gold and red and orange and yellow. And um, oh, when that air is cool and crisp like that, I always feel like I can just breathe it in a little deeper, you know, and there's almost like there's more oxygen in the air. And, and I'm making my way up the mountain. Now, this is a mountain where there are no trails, no human trails. Uh, we have elk, which are like large deer. And elk are big animals, four, 500, 600 pounds. And so I was following the elk trails up the mountain. Um, and again, it's just a beautiful, beautiful autumn day. The colors, the air, it's just so fresh and evergreen scent in the air. It's just amazing. And I'm approaching the first peak. I, I hit the first peak and it goes down slightly. Now I'm approaching the second peak. And at this point, a really interesting thing happens. As I'm approaching the second peak, um, and this is an experience that people who spend a lot of time in nature, maybe you guys might remember this from being kids or, or more recently, have this. Um, my senses all start peaking. It's like my ears start burning a little bit and the hairs kind of go up on the back of my neck and I feel like I can hear better or, or quieter sounds. The colors all get a little brighter. The greens are greener, the blues are bluer. and and I'm just feeling 100% more present. Well, I've learned enough to know that this is my body responding to the presence of something on the landscape before I'm consciously aware of what that is, right? So I'm like on high alert and every step is real quiet and I'm just paying great attention. I'm noticing every little bird, every little plant, every little tree. And now I'm approaching the, the very top of the second peak right where in the meditation, the angelic being of light had come to me. And as I get there, I get to the, just as I'm getting to the very peak, I hear this explosion of sound off to my left, over the edge, just out of my sight. And now I've heard the sound before. This is the sound of a large animal being surprised on its daybed and running off out of surprise. Well, I'm used to hearing deer do this. Deer are maybe like 100 pounds, you know, but this was like a lot bigger than that. So I'm thinking elk, must be an elk, maybe a moose. Moose are even bigger than elk. I walk over and uh, what appears before me is probably a six or 700 pound grizzly bear oh my God. galloping off down the mountain. And I swear to God, I, it threw me back. I, I fell Whoa. down on my ass. <laughs> I was, I was completely, I mean, I spent a lot of time in nature, you guys. And I just, you, I don't see grizzly bears. I mean, they're around, but they're very elusive creatures. You just don't see them, not in my neck of the woods. So to even see one was a huge deal to have snuck up on one 10 feet and surprise it off its day bed was unfathomable to me. Right, because they're, these, we're talking about highly aware creatures who make a living 
paying attention to their surroundings. Apex predators. Apex predators. And someone who I would have no chance against, right? A 700-pound grizzly. Well, so she's, I can tell she's a female. She's running down. Remember, I'm on the peak. And so the only way she had to go was down. So she's running downhill. And there's a little valley. She goes down. This just happens in seconds. And then back up another hill. So she's back at eye level with me with a little valley between us. Maybe, I don't know. 150 feet away, 50 yards away. And she sits down and just looks square at me. And my heart is just boom, boom, boom. (laughs) I'm caught between absolute stunned by her presence and the awe of the moment. And oh my God, this was the same place that being came to me in the meditation. Now I'm here in real life and there's actually a grizzly bear. It's like blowing my mind. I'm like, wait a minute, what, what? And, and of course, the other half of me is like, okay, we got to leave. This is a grizzly bear. Like, you know, don't mess with this thing. Well, so I just relax. I just calm myself down. My heart's beating super fast. And the whole, the whole thing is, is happening. And I'm, I'm, I'm aware this is a deeply spiritual experience for me. But, you know, the full weight of it was still, I'm still kind of processing. And as I'm just trying to calm myself down, my mind is, is just, you know, wanting to go a thousand miles a minute. And so what happens, of course, my mind perks up and and I find myself thinking, Oh, I can't wait to tell somebody about this. The moment I do that, this has happened to me before the moment my mind really gets going. And I think that well, our, our thoughts have energy. And so sure enough, the moment I think that the bear takes a step towards me And like, I was like, oh my God, no, 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 I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. No, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet. You know, and, and I'm, cause I got an awareness of the fact that, you know, animals do, wild animals are very sensitive and they pick up on the energy of our thoughts and, and where, and how we're being. Oh yeah. And so, uh, and so I go back to the quiet mind and I'm just sitting there. She calms down. I calm down. And then again, I don't know how long later, you know, time was gone. I time, all of my sense of time was completely gone. Um, but again, my mind trips up. Oh my, I can't wait to go back and tell my wife, Janine, about that. And this time she growls. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh my God, you know. And uh, so again, back to the quietness. And at this point, I forget that happened two or three times. But I, I finally get to this point of just really humbly yielding and say, okay. And so I just sit there and just relax. And just enjoy the presence of this creature. And I'm thinking, you know, I don't want to offend it. I don't want to, um, obviously don't want to upset it or anger it. And yet here we are, we're sharing this moment. She was still, I was still. And I, again, I don't know how much time passed. It might've been five minutes. It might've been an hour, but eventually there came this point where I just felt a certain completion. She had, wasn't moving. She wasn't doing anything, but I just knew in my heart and my soul, like, okay, what needed to happen has happened, and, and this is complete, and it's time for me to go. Now, what's interesting about encounters with wild animals, most people, if you, most encounters with wild animals end by the, with the wild animal being the one to leave first. It's rare that the person is the one to leave first, because usually as humans, modern humans, we're crossing some sort of a boundary. We're making some sort of an offense to the wild creature that then causes it to go. So in this case, I I managed to control myself enough to not offend it, to not 
cross that line with it. And I knew it was time for me to go. Later on, as I sat with this and processed it and went through a mirroring experience with some of my mentors, what became clear through the general medicine of grizzly bears, as well as its specific message for me, and, and wild creatures do have that. They all have general medicine the way like, okay, coyotes are tricksters, or deer represent new life, you know, or mice represent attention to details. But then as well, each individual species, each individual, you know, uh, uh, animal out there can have a unique message. So the message that came through to me through the grizzly was virtually the same as the uh, as the entity, the, the 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 being of light that came to me in the in the meditation. And as bears have a classic uh, medicine of being the healers, and that was you know me working with the brokenhearted, and as well the fact that it was up on wow. the mountain, the fact that it had this connection with the meditation was really my calling into guiding others into their purpose. And so, but more importantly than what it meant, than the interpretation, than, you know, some sort of, I don't know, animal totem dictionary or something, more important than that, you guys, was the visceral energetic connection I made. I, I had to face the power of that bear, the part that scared the hell out of me and the part that was like, wow, that's a reflection of me. You know, that I have that inside of me. And that was, of course, a great honor and something I'm very humbled by. But it was, it was, there was an energetic transfer that happened. And that's what happens when in a soul wander or in a vision quest. We have these kinds of what I would call an eco-psychosomatic experience or eco-psycho-spiritual experience where nature and the psyche and the body and the spirit are all coming together as one. And we're experiencing ourselves uniquely through specific species, through particular places, through particular elements of the natural world. And that was on a spiritual level. That's what launched me into my, my current chapter of work, Purpose Mountain, working as a nature-based purpose guide. I mean, again, in some ways I had kind of been doing that work, but it was always you know, kind of on the side and I was never really fully out there acknowledging, okay, this is my work in the world. So that's when I really stepped into it um, importantly and, and fully consciously. And the other half of that story is um, that, you know, I've been doing this work for decades prior to having that experience. And so the hazard with the story for listeners is thinking, oh, I have to have a grizzly bear or a gray wolf or a bald eagle in order <laughs> to find any real medicine. And that's not the case. I mean, you know how many ants and <laughs> inchworms and, you know, just uh, leaves on a tree or needles on a, on a pine tree that spoke to my soul prior to that? Um, the reality is that all of life is equal and all of life is sacred. And whether it's a tiny ant or a great grizzly bear or something in between, all of life has power that and medicine that that can that can speak to our souls and that can that we can carry as well through our relationship and through our connection with the natural world. This totally reminds me of uh, Suzanne Weed, um, how she talks about nature has all the medicine that you need wherever you are. Yes. And once again, if when you were saying you, you start becoming one with it, I think it's more like you start blurring the lines yes. that divide us. And exactly. if we were to be in the middle of, of you know the suburbs there is so much wildlife that we're unaware of because we are so buried in our mind that makes that bear growl mm -hmm. and if we could quiet that mind it, we would find our purpose 
in our own seat. I, I remember doing a, a soul quest um, through my dreams and a bear showed up as well. Uh, but it was a uh, it was a, a polar bear. And this thing must have been, I want to say, like maybe 10, 15 feet tall when it stood up. And that that still remains so, so visceral still that experience of, you know, preparing myself for sleep and going through the journey and having that intention and experiencing that bear. To me, it felt real. It's definitely not climbing the mountain. Right. But to to be in that place where I experienced that, my soul experienced it like it was real. So that's really cool. While you're saying the story, it's resonating deep within me. And I'm like, dude, you got that calling a while back. It's like, are you taking the it. steps to, yeah. to get there? Because time is time is quick. And if if you don't take the time to take on your life's journey, mm-hmm. life will pass you by. Yeah. And your soul is going to be very uncomfortable when it says, I have to reincarnate again to go over that. <laughs> yeah. So. I, I want to sign up for your class. I want to go on a soul class. <laughs> so I have to Anytime, ask, man. what is the difference between a soul wander and a vision quest? Because I know you said the soul wander is just yeah. the tip of the iceberg. And trust me, when I was out there, it didn't feel like any tip of any iceberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we've got to remember that uh, as modern people, most humans these days just aren't spending that much time in nature. So to do a soul wander that's maybe four to six hours long, it can be a really big deal for some people. For me, I mean, I'm out there all, all day often. I was just last week, I was out there all week with my son and, and with a good friend. And so, um, you know, so like anything. There's steps towards um, deeper and deeper steps on the on the journey. The basic difference between a soul wander and a and a vision quest, um, well, a structurally is the amount of time that's spent, and b is the power of the container because a, a traditional vision quest would be 96 hours long, four days. A uh, traditional soul wander would be sunrise to sundown, right? So what? eight to 12 hours, depending on what time of year it is. Um, so actually what you did in Sedona was a bit of a short one. Um, <laughs> it was a short so, wonder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and, and so beyond just a time difference, you know, when we make a bigger commitment, soul likes it when we make commitments. Soul likes it when we, we, we give up things and kind of sacrifice, sacrifice food or sleep or, you know, comforts. Um, and soul likes it when we make a big commitment to a soulful process. So when one commits to four days, there's kind of an exponential growth. Four days is not four times as powerful as one day. It might be 16 or 32, or I don't know, a lot more powerful, right, than, than a single day. And so if an individual is deeply asking the question, why am I here? What is my purpose? What is my vision for this life? I don't feel, and most people would agree with me, don't feel that a soul wander is a large enough context to hold that deep of an intention, right? A vision quest can hold that. You know, if you're really asking, what is the reason? I'm looking for an initiation into my life's purpose. I'm ready. I'm willing. I know it's going to be some work. I know I'm going to have to face myself, face my fears, face my wounds, the whole bit. Okay. We're talking vision quest. You know, if an individual is looking for some insight on the path, um, wants to just kind of check it out, wants to try this process, a soul wander 
that was a much more, I don't know, user-friendly uh, approach to take just as far as uh, trying it out. You know, for me, if I'm working with people, uh, and I do this myself, um, a vision quest for some people might just be a once-in-a-lifetime event. For people who are on a deep spiritual path, and particularly folks like myself that support others <laughs> to discover their vision, you know, I, I try and get out there at least once a year, actually. Um, but I wouldn't ever need to do a vision quest any more than, say, once a year. A soul wander, you know, I might do a soul wander once a week, once a month. Um, you know, so it's it, because it's a smaller experience, it's something it's not going to yield as much depth, but it provides an opportunity to make a more maybe perhaps a more routine connection with nature. Um, so those are a few of, of the differences. Yeah, I feel like my biggest impact or biggest takeaway from that whole experience, more than the soul wander, was what you call mirroring. And I'd love for you to like expand on that because that yeah. for me was so powerful. I mean, you know, we've done it in like if people have done workshops, like you do shares at the end of the workshop, but sure. this had a very directed purpose. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the mirroring is very, very important. And, you know, you can tell the level of this work is very, runs very deep. All this work is based on the kind of classic rite of passage structure, which is the, the basic structure. A lot of folks are aware of this has three parts, right? There's the first, second, and third. The first is the separation, the separation from the known. The second is the, the challenge itself, the ordeal itself. And the third is integration. The third is, okay, how do I take this transformation that happened to me out there that I may or may not be aware of fully consciously and bring it into my life? And, you know, I mean, because what does it matter? What does it matter if I saw that bear, if, if that doesn't make some real change in my life, if that doesn't actually empower me and cause me to go take some different action to help more people to help this earth, then it, it means nothing. I mean, let's, let's be honest. It, it, I mean, it might be a great experience. Great. I got the t-shirt but it doesn't really mean a thing unless I can actually take that and take some meaningful action based on that. So the mirroring process is entirely focused at the end. It's, it's the integration. And the thing that we have to remember about ourselves as human beings is that the hardest person to see clearly, the hardest person to know fully is ourself. And I believe that's by design. Right. I believe that we're meant to live in community. I believe Absolutely. we're meant to have brothers. We're meant to have sisters. We're meant to have mentors, elders, younger people who we're guiding. You know, we're meant to be together, not, not to isolate. And so I think the fact that it's so difficult to see ourselves and our path clearly is in some ways, you know, an indicator of that. So mirroring is a traditional process. I was, I first learned about it from my, uh, one of my early mentors, uh, a traditional holy man of the Oglala Lakota people, Gilbert Walking Bull, um, who, was a very, who was a very traditional uh, medicine man, holy person uh, of, of his tribe. And, and I was honored to be guided by him for the last seven years of his life. And the basics of, so what is mirroring? The basics of mirroring are uh, when you mirror, you, you serve as, as a mirror for another person's journey. So, so Bodhi, if I were mirroring you, you know, you would go have your soul wander or your vision quest or whatnot and come back and fully share the story with me. You would and not just share it, but relive it, bring back the emotions, bring back the sensory experience. Um, 
not so much focused on what you think it means, but just what was the experience? What were you going through? What was it like? And my job as you're speaking is to fully take that in, right? What we call uh, the mother's the modern study of active listening. A lot of folks have probably heard about that. Really being fully present with you, nothing else. I'm just 100% with you and allowing myself to take that in in the, in the deepest way possible. Then when you're complete, now it's my turn to mirror you. And in the mirroring, I'm going to share your story back to you through my eyes. And the big three uh, pillars of mirroring are um, trusting that the story as it was shared is perfect. When I speak, I'm speaking from deep love and honoring and validation of you and your process. And that's number two. And three is what does the mystery or what does spirit want to speak through me to you about your experience, right? Now, from that place, when I'm sharing a story back, there's a lot of different ways. I don't think we really have time to get into all the nuances of how the different styles of mirroring work. But the basic idea is, can I be an open channel to ask that essential question of what does spirit want to say through me to you about your journey? And now some people find this really like, oh, that sounds really simple and easy. Some people are like super intimidated by it. But what happens time and time again is people have the initial experience, the soul wander, the vision quest. And then when another person who's really connected and, you know, um, the great thing about the fit for service community, everyone's so connected, everyone's on the deep journey. And so yeah. there was a lot of great mirroring that was happening. Oh, I absolutely. modeled it once and kind of explained it. And I then modeled it once for one of the participants. And then you guys all took it from there. And there was some phenomenal mirroring. Well, it was incredible modeling on your part. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I've had some practice. So, um, but what happens is people realize, my God, there was a much deeper experience that took place than I first thought. And people are deeply validated. They're in, as you said, their intentions they see um, came to pass. And they realize that indeed a deep connection with soul or purpose or vision really did unfold. And so again, um, I could, sh- I don't know if it'd be helpful or if we have time, but I could share a short story that might help Absolutely. illustrate this. Yeah. yeah okay. Definitely. Great. So this was a, a, a young woman I was working with a couple of years ago uh, through my uh, through Purpose Mountain. And so we were just in a one-on-one mentoring relationship. And I had been guiding her for a couple of months. And she had gone on a, this was not a soul wonder. This was a, a shorter vision quest. She had done a 48-hour vision quest in the mountains of Montana. It was pr- so pretty rugged. And the time of year, what time? It was like November. So it was colder and, you know, there's some rain and stuff. And she had a phenomenal experience. I'll just share a, a portion of it. In her experience, you guys, so her, her big thing was she was involved in a relationship with a guy that was really had gone sour. He was kind of mildly abusive, um, definitely in a power position over her. She was in a dead-end job that she didn't, wasn't bringing her alive. And she was at a point in her life where she was ready for a big transition. She was ready to step into her power, to claim her voice, you know, um, I mean, it's a, it was a big transition that she was in the midst of. And her big question was, you know, am I ready for this next chapter? 
And am I ready for this, you know, so to speak, metaphorically speaking, like a new birth in my life? And she knew she wanted it, but like many of us, you know, when you're in the throes of that, when you're in that transition, it's hard to fully, you know, believe in yourself. And, and that, that's a big deal. You know, I mean, I, I'd love to sit here and tell you, oh yeah, I'm fully confident every time I go through. No way. Are you kidding? Like, <laughs> I'm as bad as anybody else. You know, I have, I have my moments of low self-confidence and, and that's where she was at. So she wasn't quite sure, you know, am I, am I worth it? Is a rebirth really going to happen for me? So what happens on her, her 48 hour vision quest? She goes out there and has a powerful experience, uh, some animal encounters um, way out there in the mountains of Montana. And in her, she was out there 48 hours, so two days, two nights. And in the second night, just before it was about to end, you know, maybe beyond three quarters of the way through, this huge, huge uh, thunderstorm blows in. I mean, full on. And she was right there where the thunder and a where the thunder and the lightning were just happening right next to each other and it was intense um and the rain was coming down so hard she just had a, a tarp and it like blew the tarp you know she had, had it securely attached to the trees it, it broke the rope i mean and she wound up with her wool blanket you know covering over her head and her shoulders and just kind of as she told the story to me, her words were, you know, Tim, I just got in the fetal position and I curled up under my blanket and I just kind of shivered there under this pine tree. And, you know, I just made it through the night. I don't know how I did it. I was scared, but, you know, I was committed. And, and I knew myself well enough that I wasn't actually in intense physical danger. It was scary. But, you know, she's like, I, I knew that if I could just hold tight, I was going to make it. So she did. Well, when it came time for me to mirror her experience, I told her, I said, you know, I, I was sometimes mirroring seems so obvious. It's because it's like the journeys just seem so obvious that I think, and a lot of others experience this, they think, you know, it's easy to think, well, this person already knows, don't they? Like, it's so obvious. Do I even need to say this? <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. We can't see ourselves clearly. So what I told her was, I said, you know, listen, you've been yearning for this rebirth. You've been unsure, you know, is, am I really going to have a rebirth? And I don't know if you heard yourself, but what you said was I got in the fetal position, fetal in the fetus. That's what a baby does when they're being born. Mind and I was just pointing this out. I was like, I'm thinking in my head, she must've known she said that she must be aware of this. Right. And then as soon as I said that, you guys, she broke down, cathartic. I mean, tears and crying and sobbing because she realized, oh, my God, that was it. Me huddled up in the fetal position was my rebirth. That was me, you know, and symbolically going through the womb of the earth and coming out. And my God, I proved to myself I'm stronger than I thought. I, I made it through that crazy night. And you know what? She said, if I can do that, I can do anything. And it was that was prompted by my simply mentioning and pointing out the word fetal that she had said. Right. Now that's a very clear example of mirroring. And but I think it, it makes the point that sometimes the transformation we seek is actually right in front of us, but we just don't see it. And so it takes maybe a mentor or maybe a, a soulful friend to help point that out. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the most powerful part of the whole experience. Yeah. And also helping connect the dots for other people. Like, hey, did you see that yes. you you set this intention? And did you see all of these like little omens throughout your soul wander? And they were like, oh my God, I didn't even realize. And their minds were blown. So yeah, yeah I mean, thank you for like putting this whole thing together and helping people realize their purpose and their life's journey and this whole process. I mean, part of it seems very harrowing, like what this woman went through. It's not fun. It's not a fun process, but neither is growth. Like they say, growth is at the edge of your comfort right. zone. You know, well, birth, and, and, you know, exactly. And neither is. And, and what about the, the pain of living a life that's not really yours? What about the pain of feeling trapped oh, in a job yes. or a relationship that, you know, is not a home for your soul? In my book, you guys, that's the greatest pain of, of it all. And so I'm just thinking of our listeners out there. If anybody's feeling that, like, you know, there's more to life and I don't have a job that really is aligned with who I am. I don't have a relationship or a life setting that's really in alignment with my deepest soul you guys, that's the biggest pain of them all. And I can only wonder what would our world be like if everyone took the courage, you know, to face themselves. And I don't know. I mean, I've, I mean, that, yeah, that was a harrowing journey. I'll, I'll admit, but listen, I've, I've worked with a lot of folks where it, it wasn't, you know, and I've had, I've had both for myself. Sometimes they're harrowing. Sometimes it, it's blissful, you know, so we never quite know, but soul gives us whatever we need. But yeah, that's the big thing. I mean, what would our our world be like if everyone stepped into their their soul's calling? I, I think we'd have a much more beautiful, more peaceful world in front of us. Yeah, and you're if you're listening to this, uh, this is going to drop in the new year. So I'm sure you have some New Year's intentions. And if one of your New Year's intention is to find your soul purpose, mm. then you should definitely look up Tim on PurposeMountain.com. We'll have the links in the show notes in the description. And, uh, you know, Tim's given us all this information that we'll put in the show notes as well. Uh, Tim, any parting words for our listeners? Well, just, you know... Uh, First off, thank you so much, both you guys. It's just a real pleasure connecting with both of you. Um, parting words, I mean, I think that's it really is I would just invite everyone to really, as we go into 2021, my God, I mean, you know, 2020 has been one heck of a year, huh? Absolutely. You don't so, say. You're right. Yeah. I mean, maybe even if it's just right now as you're listening to this and better take some time, quiet time in nature, but even if it's just right now as you're listening, take a moment, you know, take a deep breath quiet your mind, ask yourself, right? Like, am I living the greatest expression of my life that I'm capable of having? And if the answer is yes, right on, more power to you, go for it. And if the answer is no, first off, know that that's okay. And second off, know that there's support out there, whether it's me or others, um, there's people who can help you get on track with why you're here. And that's the, that's the greatest thing that we could do for ourselves and for our world. And so, you know, if I can be of service to anyone, by all means, just reach out. I got some free resources and everything and more videos, podcasts on the website. Um, and yeah, know that every, you as as listener know that you have a purpose. There is a reason you were born. It's not just random. You're here to make a difference. You're here to help. And that first, sometimes before we can help others, we've got to receive some help ourselves. I know I have. And, um, and, and that's a good path. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Beautiful. 
Um, you, you had me in tears, brother. <laughs> like, I, I am, in, I'm definitely in awe because of, of the circumstances I'm going through right now in regards to my career and the, the changes that I do want to make and having conversations with Bodhi and having friendships that are supportive and having a wife that calls me out just the same way that mirroring it's very obvious. My partner has that ability yeah. and, uh, my my ego likes to revolt and deny oh, yeah. and blame and do all these little dirty tricks to yeah. keep the soul at bay. And there's this there's this tangible pull that happens. And I think that's just that's just the juice of life. That's yeah. just the the jester, the the jackal, you know, doing its part to make yeah. you feel alive, to yes. to make it visceral and nasty and like that storm, just mud and crap all over you, and you ha- you have to sleep wet. I don't know if any anybody knows what it's like to to do camping in the winter, where the oh, yeah. weather is about thirty eight degrees. It's not cold enough for it to snow. It's thirty eight degrees. Everything is muddy, and you get rained on. That's a fetal position. Oh, yeah, man. Sleep for sure. Um, but your words right now are resonating. I truly believe in synchronicity. The yeah. fact that you're having this talk with me is resonating deeply. I mm. definitely want to look into your resources. Maybe after this pandemic, love to come visit you because absolutely, what yeah. you do, I feel would have tremendous impact in my life, even though I'm doing things where I feel like my soul is celebrating. Mm. I feel like there's stuff in the tank. And I think that goes for every one of you out there listening. If you want to get to the bottom of the tank and, 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 you know, use up that vehicle to the best of your abilities it's not only eating right, exercising, or having healthy relationships. It's getting deep in touch with your soul and what it wants. Because yes. when you fulfill yeah. that, every single soul out there is connected to that soul, and we all rejoice. And I truly believe in that. So, Tim, the bottom of my heart, brother, so much gratitude. Thank you yeah, so brother. much. You are so welcome, Abiyas. Great to connect with you here. And I, I feel your passion. And, of course, Bodhi, you as well. Both you guys are are full of the soul of life and and what a beautiful beautiful thing that is 